the Dodgers are without Jose Ramirez, and they still somehow took two out of three from the Dodgers. We have roster moves to talk about, what's going to occur, who might fill in where, uh, a series of wins to talk about, and the song that inspired this podcast today, all on today's edition of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians podcast on the Cleveland Guardians, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So hello everyone, I am Jeff Ellis, the host of Locked On Guardians, as I have, be from, have, be, have been from since the inception of this show. Uh, there was some, a bit of a time where I was both the host of this podcast and the lead draft and prospect analyst at 24-7 before they axed baseball. Before that, I was at Scout. Before they went bankrupt. And before that, I was at Indians Baseball slash Indians Prospect Cider before they joined Scout. Uh, I've also appeared on pretty much every single Cleveland sports blog imaginable. And I am, you know, here today to talk about the Guardians. But first, over this weekend, um, oh, and first and before I get into that, my I want to thank everyone for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is you get podcasts. So my daughter, uh, we listen to a lot of music throughout the day. We have Alexis in the upstairs and the downstairs. I have one right behind me. Uh, good, it didn't turn on. Uh, but, uh, but hey, uh, I should like do, hey, Alexa, play Lockdown Guardians so that can just happen everywhere else. And then I got to unplug mine so that doesn't happen. But you can, uh, you can yell at me later uh, if you're listening to this out loud somewhere. But uh, long story short, short story long, uh, we somehow got, between me and my wife, the song uh, Dangerous by Roxette in our head. And, and right now, this really feels like the song for the Guardians right now. Uh, so if you'll pardon with me, let's, let's just do this. You pack your bag, you take control, and then we're going to skip down to the uh, hold on tight. You know they're a little bit dangerous. They got what it takes to make ends meet. The eyes of hitters that hit the high heat. You know they're a little bit dangerous. So I might have adapted it a little. <laughs> this became, because my four-year-old liked it, um, I, the song of the weekend. I think I've heard this like 20 times. So I've been slowly turning it into a Guardian song in my head because it's been a fun weekend to be a Guardians fan. Uh, you can all make fun of my singing and my song lyrics later. That's like one of my daughter's favorite things I do. So uh, that's the only person that matters. But uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't come here expecting that reference, did you? Never know what you're going to get on Lockdown Guardians. Nor did any of us expect the Guardians to take two out of three from the Dodgers, especially when the Dodgers are, you know, the team they are. And the Guardians are without Jose Ramirez, who didn't play in two of these games. He didn't play in Saturday or Sunday's affair. He's getting a precautionary MRI. If he goes on the disabled list, which, I mean, at this point in time, he's already missed two games. If he ends up, it's what, a 10-day? They have an off-day Monday, so he can be a retroactive at this point for a week off basically after this uh you know then after it's what the twins are in boston so it's, it's a rough stretch to lose jose for because right now the twins are you know the team there a game behind as they get ready to start this series we'll preview that tomorrow and then the red sox are currently the team who are just out of the wild card race it goes toronto cleveland's up to two now then the rays then boston so i mean this is these next few games it's three with toronto three against the Red Sox, and then five against the Twins to end this month. So eight games against the Twins who they're battling for for first. If you want to be in first by the end of it, you you better take advantage of this, especially because five of those eight are at home. And three versus the Red Sox at home. 
Uh, June is going to be a busy month for them. And then you're like, well, is it let up? No, <laughs> the Yankees uh, coming to town for the first week in July. Then it lets up. Then you got the Tigers and the Royals, and we'll have to see what goes on with the White Sox uh, before then getting the Tigers again in the All-Star break. The White Sox just, I mean, they're playing better, but it's still a, a poop show. You know, we're warned about swearing. Not that I ever really swear on this show, but let's be honest. White Sox have been a disaster. Uh, speaking of things that were not disasters, how about, like, Richie Palacios? Like, we can get into these games, as of course we will, but Palacios with the big hit on Friday, and then he ties it up as a pinch hitter uh, in the game on Sunday. I don't know why I'm blanking on today. Now, I'm sorry, The when he got the RBI, it was not a hit, but still, he still got the runner across. He came up with the winning run scoring uh, opportunity in the 10th, and then he ties it up in the 8th. And yes, I was losing my mind over, let's have Andres Jimenez bunt so Ernie Clement can get in at bat with a runner in scoring position. Yes, it ended up working out, okay? But that is absolutely the wrong logic, and I'm going to keep hammering that to be in the wrong logic, where Jimenez, yes, he'd had a rough day. Uh, if they lost this one, you could put it on him. You could. That throw from second base was so ill-advised. But you know what? If he'd been playing shortstop, he maybe gets to that naturally and gets the out there, uh, and they don't get the run across. Uh, but at the same time, with two outs, just eat the ball. Just hold on to it. It was an ill-advised throw. It was a really dumb play. But again, you know, he may, he got there because the shortstop couldn't get to it. Now, if he's at short, he he gets there. So, yes, terrible decision-making on his part. Also, terrible decision-making in how that roster is put together. Not the roster, how the lineup is put together. Let me correct that. The roster is quite good. So, let's just dive into the Friday game. This is one that I, I had very low hopes for. And yes, everyone came back at me, and I'm like, hey, that's now four quality starts for Plesak in a row. Uh, this is the most exciting one, because that's a good Dodgers team. Was either the Dodgers aren't that good, or he got everything hit hard, and he got lucky. And I'm like, it is interesting how much people pull out the hard hit data for Plesak, yet don't pull it out for Quantrell when like he's also gets hit pretty hard. Uh, not as much as Plesak, that's in fairness. And I'm not saying, again, Plesak is good or great. Like <laughs> Six innings, one hit is fantastic. I don't know how you manage one hit on five, or one run, I'm sorry, on five hits, two walks, and a, one strikeout. Like, yes, he was incredibly lucky, bottom line. Henches, fantastic. Trevor Steffen, nice to see him rebound. Anthony Ghost, who I've been ripping on, picks up the win, goes in an inning, uh, gets the two gets two strikeouts, and he's brilliant in that. And Neil De Los Santos, who's been fantastic. I mean, again, the free agent addition, he is the best free agent addition. Don't at me about Shaw, because when you look at relative cost to production, if I had to pick between them right now for the roster spot, I'm still leading to De Los Santos over Shaw. But bullpen does its job. Plesak, I mean, they, he does his job, no matter what you want to say. He got it done in this one. The the lineup for the Guardians, you're going through who reached base twice, Jimenez, and I believe that's it, right? I, yeah, that's it. That, he had two hits. Uh, Rosario had a double. He's played well. Uh, this game, he was just a one hit, obviously. No walks for him. But Cleveland had six hits and three walks. That's nine opportunities. I don't think there was any hit batters in this one. So in nine opportunities, they got two runs. That's low. That's low. They should have done better. The other side of things, the Dodgers had eight hits, three walks, and Cleveland had two errors. They had 13 opportunities to get one run. That is incredibly low. Not like this is just, again, you know, if you're looking into the numbers, it's like Plesak should have got lit up because everything was hit hard, but at someone. But it's not even that. It's just they had so many opportunities 
I think went one for 13, for instance, with Myers in scoring position. It was just a disaster show. And of those, we talked about this with Colorado, I think it was the last game, or maybe it was like the, the, the uh, you know, I can't remember, but recently it's like there was a point where a team had a bunch of hits. They had like 12 hits, but the problem was eight came from two guys, and then no one else around was doing anything to bring them home. Uh, Bellinger had two, Turner had three. That's five of your eight hits, and unfortunately for them, uh, they couldn't put anything together with those two guys outside of that. So uh, Bellinger did have the home run, which was the one run. But oh, my co-host wants to hop in and chat. What do you have to say? Any comments, Nacho? N- yeah, he was enjoying the series as well. I think was the takeaway. Uh, you know, another one where it, it's also interesting. The difference in pronunciation when I because I was listening to the Dodgers broadcasts and it always makes me conscious because everyone rips on my pronunciation so I'm not going to rip on anyone else's but I'm like wait who's right now that's going to live in my head now I'm not going to know which way is the way I'm supposed to actually say it uh Josh Naylor getting a stolen base in this one was one of the biggest surprises for me did not expect that uh but yeah the uh, box score bingo I did we talked about who reached base three stars well you're giving one to Plesak and one to the pen, in my opinion. And then it comes down to, you know, who do you want to give the final one to? I, I, I lead to Palacios. I mean, he got the, well, again, it wasn't a hit, but he got the sacrifice that got the run across, and then Cleveland was able to make that hold up to win this one. So, yeah, I'm going to give it to him. He had the big hit, and he would continue to be a force for Cleveland this weekend. We're going to take our first break here. We'll come back. Talk about games two and three, and then talk about what do you do with third base if uh, – I almost gave it away there. What do you do with third base if Jose Ramirez has to go on the disabled list for a week or so? And our fantastic sponsor today is Athletic Greens. I've talked about them many times. They were nice enough to send me a sample. First off, not every sponsor does that. That is only a sponsor that believes in their stuff. Uh, it comes in a beautiful box with beautiful items, and I say beautiful because – like, I used all of my Athletic Greens. It was something I used daily because it was a product I enjoyed. Uh, I still use it daily. When my I used the tins even after I got done with the product for other things. It's good. It's just everything about this product is nice. What it comes in on the outside is great. What it does for your insides is fantastic. It makes you feel better. It's loaded with nutrients. Uh, it is a socially conscious company that gives food to kids as well. They donate to organizations to help feed children. They are a climate-neutral company. Like, it is a good company. It is a company doing good and doing good for your body. And right now, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com backslash MLB network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Remember to go check out the Locked On uh, NBA mock draft, uh, June 23rd. You know, we all love drafts here in Cleveland. Uh, it should be like our own version of a national holiday. But, uh, yeah, go check that out. Make sure to see what the Cavs are going to do with hopefully their last lottery pick in a long time. So let's get back into this series. So, yeah, the win was unexpected. And, like, for me, I was kind of like, oh, if that's all they get, that's I'll be fine with it. Saturday, not so fun. Uh, this was an ugly affair. Quantrell gave up 10 hits in five innings and a walk, only struck out four. Anthony Castro, who was called up for Connor Pilkington because soon Savales should be ready for his next start, is the thought process. He'll probably, like, Castro will probably be down at some point on Monday. You'll get Castro down. You'll get Fran Mill up. We'll get into my projections in a moment. Uh, Anthony Ghost, 
had gave up an unearned run on a walk and two strikeouts. Nick Sandlin had a walk and two strikeouts. Sam and then uh, Henches, you know, another strong outing for him. Like, it's good to see that. Errors by Rosario and Sandlin. Problem was they had two hits. Uh, Rosario and Gonzalez had the only two hits. They only had two walks. So that's four opportunities. It's weird. Like, not weird, but we've seen so many hit batters this year. Like, there wasn't any in these first two games. So Cleveland had two hits, two walks, and an error. That's five opportunities, one run. It's a little bit low, but not unsurprising when you've got just the one extra base hit. Other side of things, Cleveland had two errors again. I mean, they've been just so sloppy. It's the amazing thing. They're winning these games, but multi-error games almost every game. 11 hits by the Dodgers, six walks. So that's right there, 17 opportunities. Two errors, 18 opportunities. Seven runs on 18 opportunities is pretty good. But you consider the fact they had a home run, a triple, and then what? Three doubles. Like, it could have been an even worse loss. Uh, Julio Arias is he has got some... He has some issues in his past, let's put it that way. Not necessarily someone I would want to root for if he was on my team. Uh, but he's an interesting guy just because, I mean, he was at 16 when he was on the cusp of the majors. Like, I remember following him in the Dodgers minors, and just injuries mounted. He became a forgotten guy, and now he's showing that guy where he was at, like, 17 or 18 when he was really first day in the big leagues. Phil Bickford in this pen is just kind of interesting because this pen— you know, we talked about it a little bit with on Friday's show with uh, Paul of Locked on Rockies. You know, he talked about Yancey Almonte going other places to become effective. Bickford's another guy who well, he didn't leave Colorado, but was he a Brewers first rounder or a Giants first rounder? He ended. He started with one and then got traded to the other. I'm not sure the exact order, but he's found a home in the pen with the Dodgers. Uh, man, this is a game where it's like, who do you even? Uh, Rosario did reach base twice. I know I skipped that, so he's one of your three stars in this one. I can't really give it to anyone else offensively. So you're like, okay, bullpen. Well, I can't give it to Castro, Quantrell, or, or Ghost because runs came. So Sandlin didn't go full inning. So give it to Henches. Uh, Henches. And then, like, even though Rizar- or Gonzalez had three strikeouts, he still gets the third star because there was nothing in this game. Uh, it's like Owen Miller had a walk as well, but he also had two strikeouts. It's like Rosario is one of the easy stars in this one because of the reaching base twice and having an extra base hit. But he also had an error. And it's like Sandlin was only two-thirds of an inning, and he also had an error. So you're just kind of like, and, you know, Rosario's error led to another run. So, I mean, you could almost say this is a no-star game, honestly. Like, no one really stepped up. But with lack of anything else to do, you give it to Ahmed, you give it to Gonzalez, and you give it to Henches. Uh, it was an ugly one. It was one of the uglier games of this year. It wasn't really fun to watch. There was nothing fun going on. It was it was not fun. Uh, but it gets bounced out by Sunday, which you had good Shane Bieber again. And, yes, the Dodgers team is leaving a ton of guys on base. But he goes six and two-thirds, two runs earned, three total on seven hits, one walk, nine strikeouts. Again, the strikeout's the important thing. His velocity still isn't back up. But he is getting those across. And that under and run, that is what I talked about with Andre Samanez earlier. Just that terrible throw. Like, that, that he just needs to hold on to it in that situation. Uh, Eli Morgan had one hit and one walk in two-thirds of an innings. They, let, they ran him out there for an extended. And that's why, like, he is so valuable in the pen. Why I would say, you know, he shouldn't be moved out of that. I had someone, like... I was saying maybe he should be sent down. I'm like, what? Do, are you a fan for another team? I couldn't understand exactly what they meant. Class A would say 15 in this one. Uh, Craig Kimbrell, uh, 
just isn't very good anymore. Like, what, can we be honest about that? Like, if we if I were to pull up his data in front of me, it's like go look at his stat his his data. Like, yes, he was good with the Cubs in half a season, a very short sample size um, a year ago. But I mean, for the past few years, he's been largely ineffective. Um, you know, there is this thought process. And I clicked on the wrong link. That you know, relievers tend to age better and this or that. But we've seen with like Cody Allen was retired before thirty. Like, wasn't he? Wasn't that the case? Uh, Andrew Miller. Just looking purely at like his WAR. So he's been worth negative WAR this year, a zero WAR last year at the White Sox, two point five WAR with the Cubs in twenty twenty negative WAR in twenty nineteen negative WAR. You go back to Boston twenty eighteen. That was like his stretch. You know, he was excellent with Atlanta. And then, essentially, the minute he got to San Diego, he was that. I mean, he was okay in that first year, but it was a down year. First year in Boston, he made an All Star team, kind of fell apart in the second half, and then you know he had a, two good years. And then, really, outside of that half a season in Chicago, this guy hasn't been that good since he hit thirty. He just hasn't been. I don't know if it's overuse. I don't know if it's just being a two pitch guy and things have started to back up on him, but. Yeah, he is he is not good right now. And the Dodgers need to figure something out. I mean, that's the thing. Their eighth and ninth inning guys buckled today for them. I mean, that's that's what happened. I mean, you just there's no other way around it. Their back of their bullpen buckled and that's why they lost. Uh Daniel Hudson blew a save, then Kerry Kimbrell picked up the loss. And Hudson has been good this year, but Kimbrell is not. Like he has not been good at all and you look at Cleveland's pen it's weird to think that they actually have the better pen and the Dodgers are so good at starting pitcher development it's like well I mean and Andrew Haney we talked about this like he was a early free agent signing for them because he was so awful with the Yankees after they acquired him at the deadline that and then he got hurt and just was not a part of that that you know the Dodgers are like oh this is an easy fix like we can jump in we'll get him back but, yeah, this is another one. It's like Yancy Almonte, uh, Gratrial, who worked out of a bases loaded jam for um, for the Dodgers in the sixth. Like, these were guys who were viewed as starters. Um, it didn't come together. I remember seeing Yancy Almonte pitch for whatever Colorado's double-A team is. Being like, he's got something. I don't know if he's got enough. Uh, if 24-7 still existed, you could find my scouting notebook from that, I, I could, I guess. Or I could dig that out. Uh, who reached base twice in this one? Well... Miles Straw did, uh, Owen Miller did, Oscar Gonzalez did, Josh Naylor did, Stephen Kwan did, even though he didn't start the game, Andres Jimenez did not, and then I think that's it. I think those are the only people who reached base twice in this game. So there was a lot of players. I mean, the Guardians managed 11 hits. They also had five walks and an error, so they had 16 opportunities, and they got five runs. That's That's in line. That's not... It's a little bit unusual, though, when you look at that they had one, two, three, four doubles, and a home run. So they had five extra base hits. Then you look at it, it's like, okay, it's not quite an even matchup. Uh, the other side of it is eight hits, two walks, and an error. That's 11. Cleveland, actually, I got that wrong. I'll get back. Uh, so it was in the middle of this one, eight and two, 11. Three on 11 is a little low, but it's not terrible. So Cleveland, I said it was 11 plus five, 16, 17. Intentional walk makes 18. So six is the average. So both teams were a little low. They were close to the average, but a little low. Cleveland's is weird uh, just because of all the extra base hits. Uh, on the other side of things, there's only three extra base hits for the Dodgers. 
both teams pretty terrible with runners in scoring position, but Cleveland gets it across in this one. Uh, comes back from behind multiple times. You know, they were down 2-1. to one. They tied it up uh, on the Oscar Gonzalez with his first home run of the year. Uh, first major league home run. Not even the year. First major league home run. And then they immediately get the run back on that error. Guardians immediately tie it. And then uh, an immaculate inning by... Not immaculate. I got to watch it because immaculate is an actual term. You know, it's it's a specific type of inning. That's not what happened here. But clean sheets the rest of the way. And Cleveland gets two in the ninth. And, yeah, I mean, for all the negativity with Miles Strong again. So I insulted him at Rosario, and he's gone on quite a tear now. The series, he was he was solid. He wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't as good as, like, in Colorado, he was a man possessed. Uh, I ripped on Brian Shaw signing on two podcasts in a row, and look how that's worked out. I keep getting uh, pinged by, I think it's Zach who keeps pinging me about the fact that I talked about Kyle Farmer being a quad A guy. Now he's like <laughs> played at an all-star pace since then. Uh, people were pointing out Anthony Ghost I ripped on, and that's turned around. Zach Plesak, uh was the infamous, like I made a whole article, uh, video titled uh, Anything But Pleasing, Plesak Anything But Pleasing, and I got like my first like negative, negative statements on. Then made me think like, did, did Zach Plesak or a family member of his get, get find this video? But uh, the the long story short here, short story long, I apparently have an insulting touch of gold. So Miles Straw, it, it's a bigger situation with him right now. Even yes, he reached base twice in this game, and you know he helped in that big getting those two runs across. And he even, um, I'm sorry, it was no because he walked in the eighth. It was more of you know he walked there and then nothing gave it. But still, decent game by Straw, but. Batting him lead off is just a disaster. And especially when Jose Ramirez is down, like moving up Owen Miller, who is, yeah, he had two hits today, but who's also been in decline. Like this doesn't make any sense. Like Naylor with Quan out, your three best hitters currently are Naylor, Jimenez, and Gonzalez. Figure out an order to bat them. <laughs> uh, if you want speed at the top, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, Stephen Kwan, he had a hit and a walk today, but his his OPS is he's getting close to falling below you know league average. And, and Mercado is just awful. Like if they're gonna call back Fran Mill, which we know is gonna happen, like Mercado, they're overplaying him just like they're overplaying Clement. And yes, I get it. He had two hits today, <sighs> but they bunted their second best hitter to give him a chance of the runner in scoring position and that didn't work and he's still overexposed and we're gonna in segment three we're gonna get into like what i think is coming in terms of roster moves and what they need to do because there's gonna be probably two to three tomorrow uh before we do that let's talk about who are the three stars in this one i think yeah i give one to shane Bieber against this team to go six and a third inning striking out nine giving up two earned runs uh, that's one I'd be tempted to give it to Morgan, but there's so many strong performances throughout the whole thing. Oscar Gonzalez getting a walk in the ninth in that situation where he had to lay off stuff and, you know, having his first big league home run. And, uh, you know, that walk was not insignificant. Uh, the Dodgers were not happy with it, but it was good on him. He gets one of them as well for me in this game. And part of me is tempted to give it to Palacios, who just, again, just keeps coming in with the big hits. But it comes down to Naylor or Miller, and I'm going to give it to to Naylor, who had the you know the big hit in the the ninth inning as this team was trying desperately to get out from 
a tie game and not go to extra innings when this bullpen has already been kind of worked heavily in this series. So seeing everything happen, I thought was, you know, in Miller does lead off the ninth with the strikeout. Then you get the Gonzalez walk, the double by Naylor, and the intentional walk. And then Andres Jimenez, arguably the best hitter with uh, Morales in scoring positions, gets the single to break up the tie. And then the uh, the sack fly by uh, Ernie Clement, which, again, why did that ever get explained why he got to challenge when they don't have a challenge left? Like, it umpire reviewed. Like, they ended up basically, instead of very classic uh, situation where you had some bad umpiring who didn't know their own rules is what it felt like, and they gave them an extra review that they shouldn't have. Yeah, it's uh, it's fun. They took two out of three from the Dodgers. Nobody was going to bet on that. No one was expecting it. Like when I skip, you know, I sometimes accidentally look at the chat on the score app, and that's like a mistake every single time. Uh, but you just see all the the betting talk in there. But yeah, this was a uh, it was a good series for the Cleveland Guardians. I mean, two out of three, you'll take that every time, especially against a team like this. Uh, I guess I'd close that out without giving my. But it's it's Naylor, it's Bieber. It's Gonzalez. Those are our three stars in that one. We're going to take a break here, come back, and talk about what might go in terms of roster moves on the off day. And then we also have our friends first, though, at betonline.net, your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports, league news, reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. And as I said in the app, apparently this was a great game to bet the under with the Guardians. Uh, on Sunday, people were very happy, especially in-game betting. Uh, world I don't know as much about, but yeah, go check out Bet Online if it is. Okay, so we know Fran Mills ready to come back, and by the way, he had a big single Saturday night in AAA. James Karinchok pitched a night or Karinchok pitched a nice inning in that one as well. His first kind of like effective inning. It's been pretty ugly for him in AAA, so it was nice to see him uh, play well. Because I mean. Until Sticky Stuff got banned, he looked like a top 10 reliever in baseball. Uh, he, he would have been listed as like one of the most valuable assets this team had. So what's going to happen? Crinchock isn't coming back yet. <laughs> got time to figure that out. And the bullpen's pitching really well. It's like, who do you replace in that pen right now when he is ready? I mean, he's got options. There's no guarantee they're going to bring him right back up. Uh, there's There's not a weak link in that Cleveland bullpen at all on any level, in my opinion. Who's, I mean, Anthony Ghost is your risk reliever. If you send him down, it's again another lefty. So he's not going anywhere. I mean, Nick Sandlin is probably the next weakest guy. And if you're like, well, Anthony Castro, remember, too, uh, the, you can not, no longer have 14 pitchers on roster. That changes after today. And if I'm right, they had four starters and then two, four, six, eight, nine. So they have 13 pitchers already. Like, that's kind of already was the plan in place. Uh, when they move some guys around and why they only technically have four starters. But Castro came up, gave him a few innings this weekend. I think he'll go back down. I got to look at the rules because that's that whole thing. Like, you only send someone down like three times, right? I mean, they might also not put a ton of value on him. Uh, But when, you know, he'll be up until Savale is needed, until he's ready. Like, that's essentially going to run four starters, nine relievers, until that time that they need that additional starter. 
when Savali is ready, he is the only one who makes sense to go down. And like I said, unless you're looking at someone like Sandlin, who does have three options left, um, and Karen Chalk has Corinne Chalk has two options left. If you were curious about that, but Franmil is likely to get called back up. So what do they do with this team's roster if you call it Franmil? Um, I mean, Palacios, again, I need to really, like, spend some time with that whole, like, you can be sent down three times thing to see what the loopholes in it are. Because you can't... If you were going to play your little platoon game with Quan as much as you are, you need another right-handed outfielder. Can I propose something? What happens if Gonzalez becomes essentially his platoon? And you just let Quan play every day. So there is no platoon. You see what I'm saying? Uh, or, I mean, Quan is a better defender right now than Mercado. Quan is a better hitter in Mercado. Yes, it gives you a platoon. But platoons only matter if the right-handed side of it is effective. And right now, Mercado isn't effective. You can clear a roster spot by sending him down. And especially if, like, so if Jose is going to be out for a bit of time, Naylor moves to first base. Problem right now is you essentially have two DHs. Naylor is a DH playing first base. I think we've seen enough errors there to know that. But he plays first base. Franville goes back to being your DH. Second base has become Owen Miller. I think shortstop stays in Med Rosario. Andres Jimenez has the arm to play third. And that's where he should be every day. Um... I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't, I, you know, I, I should probably see like in the minors, how much he played it. I, that's the thing. If you're Clement should not become your everyday third baseman. That's just terrible to do at this point in time. He is, he's a solid player as a back end bench guy who does a lot of little things, but doesn't necessarily excel um, in any way, shape or specific position. He played, 10 games a third in the major league level with um, with the Mets in his uh, in this the um, the COVID year. Uh, he actually didn't play any second base at all. Yeah, he did. So I was just looking at wrong data. So he played some games at short, some at second, and some at third for the Mets that year. So yeah, I would put him in at third base unless you're looking at calling him Nolan Jones. And then, I mean, personally, right now. I look at this team, and I. you have to look at the fact that some guys like Stephen Kwan and Owen Miller in particular are, I don't know if it's fair to say cratering, but, you know, they're not, they're not performing super, super well. Owen Miller is down to a 105 runs created plus. Um, his bat pip is still high, meaning he's still been lucky. There's still some more room for kind of that regression. Uh, he's been worth .9 war, but... Yeah, the the high performance is kind of slipping back. I think again, he's probably good for like a one ten. He's a he's that guy who's probably too good to be a backup, but not quite strong enough to be an everyday guy. And then if I'm just looking at his splits, I don't know if you get value with him being a platoon player. Um, problem is like you know, let's just look at this year. Let's just see how it's been because he's it's interesting that like. Because last year was such a, a disaster that all the numbers are going to be dragged down by it. But like, it's interesting that he gets the benefit of the doubt now. As a against lefties, he is better. 
righties has been about league average this year. Lefties a step above. So maybe there's a way, like... Okay, so how can I phrase this without getting myself in trouble and making sure I have everything correctly? Now, yeah, see, it doesn't match up. Cause, because Rosario is the other guy who, honestly, it's like statistically is quite... And this is what's annoying with having him in, too, is his platoon throughout his career against right-handed bats is significantly lower against lefties. Like, he's a guy who probably profiles long-term with another team as maybe a platoon bat because his defense isn't good enough. Um, so if you come down, yeah, 125 versus lefties, 79 versus righties for his career, for Rosario. So, like, he's probably better as a platoon. And, like, when we're facing a right-handed bat, he should never hit second. Like, I don't care. Like, he should never... Like, they're... For as much as... Tito's obsessed with like platooning Quan and platooning Jimenez. The fact he does not platoon Rosario is just a bit of a mind, you know, head scratcher for me, or at least move him down in the lineup. So obviously Rosario can't play third base um, because he can't play anything other than short and he can't really play that all that well. So if Jose is down, are they, do they feel comfortable with Andres there? Or do they play Clement? Or do they call up Nolan Jones? And if you call up Nolan Jones, then how do you play this team? Like, how do you get everyone at bats? Like, to me, and again, I know it's going to seem like I'm pushing an agenda to a degree when I discuss this, but, like, when I just look at this team, it's like, to me, if you're going to look for guys, you can piggyback. Naylor and Miller as a first base platoon is not the worst thing in the world. Andre's at second base. We're stuck with him at a short. We just got to live with it and eat it for now. Nolan Jones at third. DH Franmil. I assume either Palacios is going down or Mercado, but it's probably going to be Palacios so they can keep their platoon with Quan and Mercado. And you've got Oscar in one spot, and your center fielder is then Miles Straw. What do people feel about that? What is your thought? Is that insanity? Um, if you That's if you call up Nolan Jones, who has been playing very well since he was activated in mid-June. If someone's out there being, what about Ty Freeman? Ty Freeman doesn't have the arm for third base. Ty Freeman is second base only. The arm is, is fringe at shortstop, um, and they're not going to put anyone at shortstop outside of Gabriel Arias, it feels like, other than Ahmed this year. And we'll have to, and you're not calling up anyone who can't play third. So if they brought up another bat, of course, the problem is if you're bringing up Freeman and Jones, the assumption would be Jose goes on the disabled list. That opens your other roster spot. Uh, It doesn't mess with any of the 40-man implications. It's, like I said, likely Palacios sending down. So just something to keep in mind. My bet right now is... Jose goes to DL and uh, Branmel gets called up. Branmel plays DH. Ernie Clement plays third. And then we see some kind of something like that platoon. I think that platoon might come with Naylor and Miller just because Naylor, again, is we've seen the regression there over the past few weeks. He had a good game Friday, but he is he's probably better as a platoon bat. Like, and that's not a knock. You can be a really effective player in that regard. But... You know, the 
Naylor's still playing well. Maybe you don't want to platoon him, but it's a nice, I don't know if necessarily say nice problem to have. It's an interesting problem to have after years of having, like, no, you know, so many not great bats. That's a thing, too. Like, honestly, throughout his career, Josh Naylor has a 166 run created plus against righties versus lefties is a 63. His K percentage against right-handers, 10%. Against lefties, 30%. And this is what drives me a little bit nuts with the way this team gets constructed. Is it's like, why does he stay in the same spot, no matter if it's a righty or a lefty, but we bench Andres? Why do we move out Quan for a lesser defender and a bat who can't hit, but we don't move a med down who can't hit lefties? Like, And again, if you're going to play Naylor every day, that's fine, but... It, very clearly to me, M- Naylor Miller, if you platoon them together, is an all-star combination at first base in terms of the production you will get. You can also have Miller occasionally play other spots. And again, he's been close to league average this year against lefties. I think you'll see a little more regression in that overall number. But he essentially becomes your super utility guy, and it, it's just more productive that way. You're You're taking away from the worst parts of both these hitters, and you could have a very productive first base combo with them. You have Fran Mill at DH, who hopefully finds the Fran Mill of old. Uh, Andres at second base, and you know hopefully very quickly Jose is back. He's having the MMR, MRI, we'll see. And then Rosario is holding down that spot until the deadline. And I, I do think he gets traded at the deadline to some team. You know, if the Angels, the Angels were already short infielders, and then after everyone got healthy... Someone immediately got hurt um, for them. And then, of course, Rendon is done for the year for them as well. And they fired Madden, and they're just kind of a disaster show. And the question is, like, are they going to really try to contend? But, yeah, Fletcher is out with surgery. Rendon is out with surgery. Uh, They are sitting there running out on their infield. Andrew Velasquez, who, again, we discussed, is, like, been wavered by, like, half the league because he's a great defender but can't hit his way out of a brown paper bag. Tyler Wade is playing third base right now for them, who has not played well of late. And they brought back up Louis Rengifo, who um, has not played well. Like, if that team wants to contend, they could use assistance from the Guardians on any number of levels. I, I, I'd have to really revisit what would even make sense as a trade component right now, as they've also, uh, you know, they're they're not playing some of their best prospects or moving guys around. It's... It, they're they're kind of a disaster show. But again, the Angels make a ton of sense. That's the team that I still think makes the most sense in a long-term situation for the Guardians. And I think the one thing holding up any deal is I really think that the only other reason they could be insisting Rosario play short is long-term. They feel like Arias and Jimenez is the better up-the-middle combo. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll have to wait and see. It, it's something to watch. At the end of the day here... As I go nearly 40 minutes, man, I'm going too long on these. Uh, This is a fun team with a preponderance of talent after years of struggling to find talent that is currently the number two team in the wild card, a game out of first place with the team in first place on the horizon. They have not had any of the big prospects at the big leagues yet, and they're the youngest team in baseball. Oh, yeah, and they have the most top 100 prospects. I'm just going to keep repeating all this over and over again because this is a fun team enjoy them now uh quote our you know our owner enjoy him i have been jeff ellis this has been the lockdown guardians podcast for this week for this week nope for monday 
Uh, rate and review, subscribe on the YouTube, all of that helps so much. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go. <laughs>